Have you ever been trying to change a habit, like maybe eat less sugar or drink less wine, and you've gotten yourself into a nice plan thinking, okay, today I will not have sugar. I will be strong. But then somewhere along the way, your brain sneaks in with a thought like, you know, some sugar would be nice right now. Some chocolate would be really good right now. Or I just want something sweet. Or maybe it's even that there's sugar in front of you, like there's a candy bowl in the office and you feel like you're mentally holding on by your fingernails. And you're like, what is wrong with me? I made a promise to myself and then I wanna go back on it the first moment of temptation. Why does this always happen? So today we're gonna talk about how it is not your fault that you wanna go back on your word to yourself. It's normal. And we're gonna talk about how to look at this whole situation a little differently. Ready for a mindset shift for your brain? Let's do this. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi there. Thank you for being here today. Today, we are talking about why we go back on our promises to ourselves. And I'm going to start today with a quick story, but I promise it has a point. So in my house, it's a little bit of a contained chaos. We have two dogs and two cats. Um, And honestly, none of the pets were my idea, but that's an entirely different story. What I want to talk to you today about is the dogs. So Mrs. O'Leary is our rescue. She's our older dog. She's kind of a mix between a Springer Spaniel and an Aussie Shepherd. Sweetest personality, especially because like she came from a rescue. We don't really know what her history was like before we adopted her. She can be a little skittish, but like she's super loving, super loyal, um, wonderful dog. Um, but you know, if there's something that is strange that she is not sure about, she will, you know, kind of freak out a little bit and kind of bark and and be very territorial. And Lucy is our other dog. She's younger. She's a Cocker Spaniel and she, she kind of has little dog syndrome that she will growl and bark at bigger dogs. And she's like, I've got this. And she seems so tough when she's this tiny little fluffy thing. And we're like, honey, like this, that's not going to work out for you. But if we could all have the ego strength of Lucy, we would all like never have anxiety ever in our lives. So we have these dogs and um, I've been working from home since 2015. And the dogs always seem to bark when I'm in the middle of a meeting. And it's it's inevitable. Like I, I'm on Zoom, everything's fine. It's quiet in the house. And then I unmute to say something and it's bark, 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 bark. I'm like, I'm sorry, everybody. And it's funny, like in the pandemic, my husband started working from home as many of us did. And he's like, wow, the dogs bark all the time. It always happens to be right when I unmute, when I'm going to talk in a meeting. And I'm like, yeah, hello, welcome to my life. This is what it's been like for the last five years. So I began to notice a pattern with their barking. Whenever a truck would roll by outside, they would spontaneously feel the need to defend this house like their life depended on it. It's like they're saying to the truck driver out there on the street, like, do not even think about stopping here, Buster. It's funny, they even seem to have almost a sixth sense, like they can tell if the truck is four houses away, they'll start barking as it approaches. It's, It's kind of amazing how they know it's coming. And I realized in a lot of ways, our brains are like dogs. So I'm always thinking about like 
patterns and I'm fascinated by brain science. If you've listened to any of these episodes, you know that I'm a bit of a nerd about brains and patterns and how these work. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I see an analogy here. So while I don't especially love the noise of my dogs barking, you know, especially during meetings, I also don't feel like it's something has gone wrong when the dogs bark at trucks. You know, it's very predictable. It's what dogs do. And, you know, it's actually the same thing, Lucy in particular, she's, she's a little rounder uh, in, in, you know, she's not the most svelte dog. And at 5pm, pretty predictably, each day, she pushes her food bowl around, signaling to us that it's time to feed her. And she's just learned that food typically comes around 5pm. So when it doesn't happen, she's reminding me like, hey, let's follow the pattern I've learned here. And so I don't get upset. I don't wonder why she's consistently reminding me to feed her at 5 p.m. because it's a predictable pattern. She's a dog. She's doing what she has learned. And yet, when our brains do the same thing, we feel like something's gone wrong. We feel like we are the problem. It's almost like I should have more willpower. I should be able to resist whatever it is that I'm trying to have less of, even though I've completely patterned myself over and over and over again to expect it at five o'clock or whatever the pattern is that I've learned. So when this happens, I want you to know it's not your fault. You're not broken. Your brain is acting exactly the way it's supposed to. Very similar to how dogs bark, how dogs behave when they bark at a truck or when Lucy pushes her food bowl around saying, hey, feed me at five o'clock. So we have these expectations of ourselves that we should be able to just flip a switch in our brains and change the way that we do things without taking into consideration the patterning and the conditioning that has going on underneath the surface. And we make it a lot harder on ourselves with the story of shame that we layer on top of these actions. So what if you could turn down the volume on that shame chatter? What if you could take a step to the side and almost see your brain from a different perspective? I I like to think of it this way, you know, thoughts are just thoughts. They are only true because we believe them. And beliefs are thoughts that we've just said over and over enough to ourselves that we believe them. But thoughts are not necessarily true. And I've thought of the analogy of like, When I was a kid, we used to go to North Carolina in the summers and we would catch fireflies and we'd try and put them in a jar and then you could look at the fireflies. And I thought, what if I could catch my thoughts in a jar and just look at them the way I look at a firefly? And I don't necessarily have to be attached to it. I'm not like in the thought. It's not me. It's it's in this jar and I can look at it from different angles and be like, hmm, is this true? So that's kind of what we're doing here. When you want to change a behavior or you want to change a thought You've got to kind of step to the side and look at it from a different angle. And so we're going to work on that today. So I want you to ask yourself two questions. Number one, how would I train my dog to change a behavior? So chances are you would probably spend some time repeating the behavior that you want to see. And you'd probably give your pup some rewards for doing it the right way. And you'd give lots of positive reinforcement. My guess is that you would not berate your dog. You wouldn't shame your dog when they do the old behavior because you would understand that the dog is doing what doggies do when they follow old patterns. So when the old pattern shows up, it's not like the dog is being bad. It's just doing what it has learned in the past and it hasn't yet had the chance to learn the new behavior that you're trying to teach it. So how can you treat yourself the same way? If there's a behavior you're trying to change, 
that old pattern is going to show up. It's, it's not like you're wrong. It's not like you're weak. It's just your brain following the old pattern. And if you want to teach yourself a new pattern, you've got to do so with lots of love and positive reinforcement and rewards for the behavior you want more of and no berating yourself or for falling into old patterns because that's normal. And the second question I want you to ask yourself is, is this behavior something that I'm willing to invest the time in to change? For example, we have already established that my dogs go a little crazy when a truck drives by. And don't even get me started on how they behave when someone rings the doorbell. It's embarrassing. I actually have tried to teach them to sit on the rug when someone's at the door and wait for me to release them. You know, I've got my little treats and I've got the, you know, knock on the door. But honestly, that was a massive fail. And I just don't really have the patience for it. So eventually I decided while it was technically possible for me to train my dogs to do a new behavior, I just didn't want to invest the time and the effort it would take to do so. So now when they go crazy at the front door, I own it. I don't love it, but I know that I'm not willing to do the work to change it. So I let it go. I don't shame myself. I don't shame the dogs. It's just what they do. It's just what it is. And it's the same thing with old habits. Is there a habit you want to change, but it's maybe not something you're willing to put the effort in to change? If so, that's okay. If there is something you want to change, then be honest with yourself about what kind of repetition it's going to need to take and put in those reps, put in the positive rewards so that you can actually do the steps necessary to make a change in your behavior. But if not, it's okay. Own it. For example, I like to have chocolate after dinner. It's not the greatest habit, but I don't want to put in the effort to change it. So I don't guilt myself over continuing to do it. And also, I'm kind of terrible at mindful eating sometimes. I've tried it, and my brain was freaking out about it. I know that there's a lot of value to it, but I don't want to put the effort in to make it really stick. So I decided it was not a habit that I cared enough about to make it worth changing and go through the effort to change it. And so I don't guilt myself over it. So quick recap. Your brain is like a puppy. It's following the patterns that it has learned over time. And if you want to change a pattern, you've got to do so with love, positive reinforcement, and rewards. And if you want to do that, we're going to talk about in just a minute, two specific solutions for changing your behavior. But if you don't, you don't have to guilt yourself over it. You can accept it. Um, And there's no need to feel bad that your brain is following the old pattern because it's just like the puppy. It has learned over time. So let's say that there is something that you want to change. And you're like, all right, I am ready to put in the effort to, to make that change happen, the positive rewards, the repetition, all that. So here's two solutions I want you to think about. Number one, there are action steps for changing a habit. If you're interested, please refer back to episode number 15, which is called Four Tips to Make Habit Change Easier. These are the action steps for how to make habit change much, much easier. So the four steps are make it easier to start, make it easier to feel successful, make it easier to keep going, and make it easier to feel good. If you want the details on that, go back to episode 15. So once you've analyzed your habit, you've made it easier to start, you made it easier to feel successful, you made it easier to keep going, you've made it easier to feel good. Next, I want you to plan in when are you going to do your habit. So for example, I tried meditating for a long time, and it was never working because I couldn't find the right time in my day to, to figure out when I would do it. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll do it at the end of the day. That's when I'm tired and stressed. But by the end of the day, I, I wasn't interested in it. it. Just, I mean, like really, how hard is it to sit down and do nothing? 
apparently is pretty hard because I would never get around to doing it. So I needed to schedule it into my calendar. And so a lot of people say, well, start your day with a great morning routine, which is fantastic for some people. But for myself, my mornings are not super calm. There's a lot going on. We've got to get breakfast ready. We've got lunches to plan. Uh, we got to get kids off to school. Lunches are not the best time for me to sit down and just be, you know, in tune with the universe. And so I was like, when is this going to happen? So I realized that I consistently had a kind of a break in my day between 8.30 and 9. So 9 o'clock was when work started and 8.30 was when the kids were pretty much off to school and I could consistently have that time of day to sit down and meditate. And so I made a plan that when I was going to meditate was from 8.30 to 9. Sometimes things happen and life gets in the way. But when, when you're trying to create a new habit, I'm going to meal plan or I'm going to walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes each day this week. Plan when you're going to do it. Which day of the week are you going to do it? What time during your day? What kind of obstacles could get in the way? Is there a meeting that went too long? Is, you know, do you have to pick up somebody from school? When are you going to do it? What obstacles are going to get in the way? Put it in your calendar. All right. The third thing I want you to do is to attach it to something you already do. So when I was talking about meditating, I was attaching it to, all right, when I get home from taking the kids to school, that is my trigger to sit down and meditate. So let's say you're trying to make a habit of walking on the treadmill for 30 minutes each day. Attach it to something else you already do. So um, after I eat lunch, then I will get on the treadmill for 30 minutes each day. After I um, get up in the morning, I will have a glass of water and then step on the treadmill for 30 minutes or five minutes, whatever it is. Pick something consistent that you already do each day or, you know, three days a week, whatever it is. Attach it to, you know, before I X, then I will Y or after I X, then I will Y. Because if you're able to link it with something that you already do, you're kind of um, capitalizing on the momentum of that existing pattern and you're helping your new pattern to to borrow some of the momentum, momentum whew, hard word to say, of the things that you already do. All right. And then the last thing, track it. Track the behavior you're trying to change. So if you're trying to make a new habit of planning your meals, get a chart. How many days did I plan meals this week? It is amazing how just having a, a tracker of showing your progress gives your brain that little hit of dopamine to say, hey, I'm making progress. Like, okay, I wasn't perfect every day. I wasn't expecting myself to be perfect every day. You're right, not you, you're not expecting yourself to be perfect every day, right? But by tracking it, you do get to see where you are making progress. And so when your brain inevitably wants to say, this isn't working, or I'm not making progress fast enough, this tracker is evidence that you can point to and say, well, actually, you know, it may not feel like I'm making progress, but look, I planned my meals you know, six out of the last eight days, that's pretty good. I am making progress. And so this is evidence that you can help your brain look towards to say, see, it is working. Remember, you want to give yourself the most opportunity, the best chance to feel good about what you're doing, because our default setting is to look for the negative. Back in the caveman days, the the cave gal that was on the lookout for what's wrong, she's the one that survived and passed down her genes. And so now our brains are set. Our neutral setting is to look for what's wrong. So when you are not thinking on purpose, when you're just kind of letting your thoughts happen, you're going to be looking for how your uh, habits are not working for you, how your change is not actually taking place. So if you want 
to feel good. And remember, feeling good is the fuel that fuels the engine of motivation. So you want to feel good. You got to look for it on purpose. Look for evidence and tracking your habits is a way to find that evidence. Okay, so that was solution number one. It was really the action steps towards changing a habit. Quick recap, it was go back to episode 15, listen to how to make it easier to start a new habit, easier to feel successful, easier to keep going, easier to feel good, then plan for when you're gonna do it, attach it to something you already do, and track it. So those are the action steps for how to change a habit. And the thoughts around, you know, it's not working, Um, when is it going to get better? Having those thoughts of, you know, I keep feeling all the failing all the time. That's still going to come up. Expect it. It's normal. So here is solution number two for how to address those inevitable thoughts that come up when you're trying to change a habit. So we're going to talk about something called acceptance and commitment therapy. It's uh, abbreviated ACT, A-C-T. And so in acceptance and commitment therapy, the idea is to decouple from the thought. You know, remember, thoughts are just thoughts. They're not necessarily true. But in acceptance and commitment therapy, the term fusion is when we fuse with the thought. It's when we believe it. It feels absolutely true. It is uh, fact in our minds. There is no questioning it. So let's use the example of the thought, um, this never works. Uh, I always give up after I get started. So that might feel super true. You know, I I try and lose weight before, but it always, I always end up going back on my old habits. So that may feel really true. You may have a lot of evidence that that's been true for you in the past. So act is not about whether or not the thought is true. doesn't really matter. It's about whether or not that thought is useful to you. Is it helping you? So if the thought is, uh, I, I always go back to my old habits. This never works. Is that helping you? And if the answer is no, here are a couple of tips for how you can kind of decouple or defuse from the thought that feels true. But remember, thoughts are just thoughts. They're not necessarily true. They feel true because we've repeated them enough times that we believe them, but they're not necessarily true. So act is about how to kind of put a crack in the belief system to see if maybe they're not true. So step number one, um, imagine saying the a word over and over and over again. You know, like think about the word fork. If, you know, the word fork has meaning to us because we picture you know, the little metal thing with the tines and with the letters F-O-R-K. But if you say the word fork over and over again, like imagine you just keep saying it and keep saying it for two minutes in a row. After a while, it just becomes a sound. It, it loses its meaning. It kind of loses its association with the the image of the piece of metal with the tines. And it's the same thing with the act tools. Re, it, the act tools reduce the meaning and the belief uh, that we've put on this collection of words. So if my collection of words is, this will never work, this always happens, I always you know get started strong and then I, I lose steam. So try to identify the thought And here's some steps you say, you recognize I'm having the thought. So I'm having the thought that this never works. You know, whatever the the thought is that you're having. I'm having the thought that this never works. Say it to yourself over and over again, three, four, six times. I'm having the thought that this never works. I'm having the thought that this never works. I'm having the thought that this never works. It helps you disassociate a little bit 
with the the veracity, with the truth of this never works. I'm like, well, okay, I'm, I'm having the thought that this never works. Next, put an extra little step in front of there. Say, I notice I'm having the thought that this never works. Repeat it three, five, seven times. I notice that I'm having the thought that this never works. I notice that I'm having the thought that this never works. And just like if you say the word fork over and over for two minutes, the more you say, I notice I'm having the thought that this never works, then it begins to kind of have less meaning for you. It becomes, you you disassociate a little bit with the thought. So that is one of the tools you can use with acceptance and commitment therapy to help you kind of decouple from the power of a thought that feels true and help you desensitize it a little bit. Another tool you can use is to take the thought that you're having that feels very true and very painful and sing it to a silly tune like uh, happy birthday or jingle bells. I I will save you from my singing. Um, That's my daughter's strength, not mine. Um, but if you can imagine, you know, this never works and then sing it to the tune of happy birthday or jingle bells, it again, it, it sort of desensitizes, it makes it a little bit silly. And you you begin to realize this is just a collection of words. I've made it mean something to me. But is it really true? I'm, I'm only choosing to make it true. It, but this never works is just a couple of words put together. I get to decide what's true for me. And then a third way that you can use the acceptance and commitment therapies to sort of defuse the power of a thought is to imagine a cartoon character or a movie character, someone, um, you know, silly or ridiculous uh, is saying this, this thought to you. So again, the thought is this never works. I personally love uh, Ron Burgundy from Anchorman. He's just so ridiculous and silly that like, I can't take anything he says seriously. So if there's a thought that's painful to me, I imagine that Ron Burgundy with his, you know, overgrown hair and a silly mustache is saying this very seriously in his anchorman voice to me. And it just, it makes me laugh a little and it takes away some of the power of this difficult thought. So try those three things. I'm having the thought that, or I notice I'm having the thought that, you know, whatever it is, this never works for me. Sing it to happy birthday, jingle bells or imagine a cartoon character or Ron Burgundy saying this thought to you and see how it feels silly. And remember that it's just a collection of words. Your brain is giving it meaning, but you don't have to. You get to decide what's true for you. If you decide that there's a habit that you're not willing to put the effort in to change it, that's okay. Own it. Don't continue to guilt yourself and shame yourself over it. Give yourself the respect of being honest with yourself and then allow yourself to be imperfect without the guilt. Okay? You're just human. It's okay. Imperfection is part of the job. It came with your human card. Your brain is a lot like a puppy dog. It needs guidelines with lots of love and lots of positive reinforcement. And you deserve lots of love and positive reinforcement as well. So here is our one confident body action step, tiny tip to put into practice this week. I want you to think about a habit, analyze it for me, whatever it is that you're trying to change. When is a predictable time of day that the habit creeps in? Like for me, five o'clock is a predictable time of day that I want a glass of wine. I can expect it every day at five o'clock or really like 4.55. My brain is just doing what Lucy does when she's pushing her food bowl around saying, it's that time of day, it's what we do. Or maybe there's a predictable trigger 
that sends you into a habit spiral. You know that when you hang out with that group of friends, there's that one person that always seems to kind of have sort of a passive aggressive backward comment that makes you feel lousy. Oh, weird. How interesting that after you hang out with those friends, you want to go binge eat later because you feel lousy about yourself. You know that trigger is coming. It is predictable. You can, you can expect it. It's just like Mrs. O'Leary barking at the trucks rolling by. Your brain is going to have that reaction. You can expect it. It is not a character flaw of you. It is your brain doing what it has been told. It's, it's your brain doing what it has learned over time. Observe that habit loop. Ask yourself, when can you expect this to arrive? It's just like a puppy barking at the, at the truck driving by. So you don't need to feel guilty about it. When that happens, see if you can step to the side a little and just watch your brain. See if you can be fascinated by your brain sort of freaking out a little bit because it wants a treat. Almost like a toddler crying out for her pacifier. See if you can turn down the volume on that habit and on the, the thoughts around your habit by being curious instead of judgmental. See if you can try and be fascinated by your brain instead of feeling guilty that you're desiring something that you've accidentally trained your brain to want by repeating that old pattern in the past. So it's okay. By the way, in my book, You Are a Miracle, there's a whole chapter on how our brains work and how to reprogram old patterning. So if you want to stop relying on willpower to make habits change, then check out my book. Just search for You Are a Miracle on Amazon. And by the way, if there's anything in this episode that has helped you, I would love for you to write a review on iTunes. It would be super helpful. It helps me to know that you're listening and also to learn what you'd like to hear more of. And it also helps other people become aware of this podcast. And who knows, your review just might help someone decide to listen and that one choice could end up changing their life. See, your 30 seconds to write a review could change a life. That's a pretty good ROI if you ask me. So before we go, remember, love yourself because your brain is designed to help you. It keeps you alive. If you learn how it works, you can get it to work for you rather than against you. You've got this. All right, I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening today. It is truly a gift that you are here listening. I so appreciate you. My private coaching spots are filling up, but I have two spots still open. If you're jamming on the podcast and putting all those tiny confident body action steps into practice on your own, then that is awesome. And if you'd like some help with accountability on that or work on diving deeper into some of the unique challenges that make it hard to lose weight, then let's work together. Not everyone needs the same kind of support. So we work together to customize what strategies, systems, and deep dive coaching that you need to help you address the emotional and mental parts of weight loss that lie underneath the surface of a typical diet plan. Now, maybe you're thinking, you know, that sounds great, but I kind of feel guilty spending money on myself like that. If that resonates, I so hear you. I have struggled with that too. But let me ask you, what are you missing out on by not taking time to invest in you? How much longer do you want to keep things the way they are? Where will you be five years from now if nothing changes? And maybe that makes sense, but you're still feeling like it's hard to take the money or especially the time to invest in yourself. I get that too. But here's a question. Of all the things you could spend money or time on, what better investment is there than to spend time investing in the relationship with yourself? How will your loved ones benefit by you feeling better about you? You spend a lot of time 
like your whole life in your body. And the person you talk to the most is you. What better investment could there be than to take care of the person you are with the most? If you're ready to stop waiting for someday, please go to my website and schedule a free call at www.confidentbody.coach. I think I only said two W's. There's three W's. You get it. Anyway, or send me an email at lizzie at confidentbody.coach. Remember, you are a masterpiece, a piece of the master. God put that little spark of divinity within you and you are meant to shine exactly the way you were made. You are one of a kind. And when there is only one of something, it literally cannot be compared. You were created for a reason and we need you. You are a miracle. Go shine your light today.